Welcome back to The Emily Show. I am on the road this week, but at least StreamYard makes it easy for me to record while I'm on the road. So mind the mobile setup. Those of you in the audio version, if it sounds a little different, it's because I'm traveling. And if you're watching on YouTube, it's pretty obvious that I'm traveling today. We are talking about the arrest of KPD for the murder of Tupac. For many that have followed the murder of Tupac in 1996 and on, it's not a surprise that this is who was arrested. We're going to talk about how his book, yes, KPD's book, led to renewed um, invigoration in this prosecution and I think what ultimately led them to get the search warrants that led them to the grand jury that led to this indictment. So we're going to be talking about the book, if it can be used against him when this goes to trial, what's going to happen from here. And a big question, when KVD took a deal with the feds, does that preclude this state prosecution? And we're going to talk about that. So if you are ready to get into all of it, it's time for The Emily Show. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm Emily D. Baker, the internet's go-to legal analyst and big fan of the cursey words. I've been a licensed attorney for over 17 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I break down the legal side of pop culture and entertainment stories we can't stop talking about. We should just get into it. Let's go. Thank you to our sponsor, Thrive Cosmetics. It's a travel week for me, and I do not travel without my brilliant eye brighteners. I take them everywhere. The thing that I have always forgotten about is that the bottom of it comes out for a sharpener, which was really helpful for me today when I was like, wait a second, I need to sharpen this up a little before I do my makeup. These are so fantastic. They not only make your eyes look brighter, but they are easy to apply, smudge proof. And look, I basically love makeup crayons. They come in 16 different shades. I also love that every product purchase Thrive donates products and funds to keep communities thriving and they're cruelty-free vegan products. So you know you're using great quality ingredients for great quality makeup. And if you want to get a discount trying that for yourself, go to thrivecosmetics.com slash for 20% off your first order. That's 20% off your first order at Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S.com slash Let's get back to today's episode. So I first feel like I need to disclose that A, I was an LA County District Attorney. All of you know that. But this is a case that I have looked at not just as a district attorney and from that perspective, but it does come from that perspective. We're going to be talking about, you know, Los Angeles gangs. That is something that I worked with. Um, and then I grew up in Los Angeles. So 1996, the killing of Tupac was something that impacted everything in California, or at least it felt that way to me. So I have like multiple levels of interest in this case. And I think a lot of you probably do too, because I feel like we're all just generally around the same age. And this was a pivotal moment for a lot of us that we remember um, when Tupac died. So it's an interesting thing talking about this prosecution and the fact that there's actually going to be a prosecution and an arrest. The gang wars in Los Angeles in the 90s are wild. And the East Coast, West Coast feud that this all touches on is also wild. Um, 
And everything really tied into this case comes from Los Angeles, though the killing happened in Las Vegas. So for those of you not super familiar with this case, I think it would be helpful to go through the arrest, the indictment, and what the police have said about it, but maybe a brief road so far. And I'm going to just kind of break down what the police shared in their press conference. On Friday, September 29th, Las Vegas police gave a press conference indicating that they had arrested and indicted Keefe D for the murder of Tupac. We're going to go through the indictment in just a few minutes. This is for the 1996 shooting that occurred on the Las Vegas Strip after a boxing match. The police broke down a fight that had occurred inside the MGM earlier in the night where Tupac and Suge Knight and others had jumped Keefe D's cousin. But as police broke down in their press conference, these are rival gang sets um, from Mob Piru for the association with Death Row Records and Suge Knight and Tupac, and then from the Eastside Compton Crips with regard to Keefe D and his family members and, and other associates. So there was that fight earlier in the night and then the shooting on the Las Vegas Strip, but that's predicated from earlier fights that had happened in Los Angeles before they all traveled out to Las Vegas. What's so interesting about this is, yes, I went through and read Keefe's book, which was wild because he really describes Los Angeles during a time when I was growing up. And when he's like, you know, and then we all went to party at the Red Onion. I'm like, I know exactly where that Red Onion is. It's just, it's, it's wild to go back through Los Angeles at that time through this book. But we have to talk about the book real quick. Um, do I have my Kindle version? Yes, because the book starts on page two with this. I am one of the only living eyewitnesses to Tupac's killing who also knows the much larger story around the reasons why both Tupac and Biggie were killed. I was considered a prime suspect in both the Biggie and Tupac killings for years. I know the real fucking story. And then he proceeds to tell the real fucking story in his book, Compton Street Legend. In the police press conference, they indicated that the book really reopened the investigation for them. They subsequently got search warrants. Three years after the book was published, they got search warrants. Once they got search warrants, that led them to the additional evidence to tie this together. What is so interesting about this is this is not new. In his book and in interviews since the book, Keefe D has talked about the fact that he was interviewed by the feds back in 2010 and told them what he knew. And they agreed to throw out a narcotics indictment because he was uh, like at the top of the chain running drugs in Southern California. So they tore up his indictment and gave him a deal, which was essentially a, a no prosecution deal for information regarding this. What's going to be interesting is seeing if if and what the feds promised, because the feds aren't prosecuting him for the murder of Tupac, Las Vegas PD is. They can't use what he said in his interview with the feds if that interview was part of a plea deal or a non-prosecution deal. But he tells you in his book what he told the feds. That is fair game. So he wouldn't have been able to have been prosecuted based on what he told law enforcement, but then he he put it all in a book that was published before he passed. So he can absolutely be 
prosecuted. But there needs to be more than just what he said in the book, right? Books aren't under oath statements. They can be hyperbole. And what I got asked a lot on social media about uh, in DMs and even in conversations with others is what about the fact that you can't or there are rules in some jurisdictions about using rap lyrics and things like that in prosecutions. And when we're looking at legislation and case law regarding using lyrics in prosecution and protecting the First Amendment and self-expression, there's generally a burden to show that the lyrics are regarding the specific thing, not just a vague or hyperbolized generalization of something when it's a very specific thing. This book starts with, I'm one of the only living eyewitnesses to Tupac's killing. So it's not hyperbole, it's specific, but there's going to have to be more than just what he said about the killing. But he lays out who's in the car, how he got the gun earlier in the evening, where he obtained the gun from, where he hid the car after the shooting, how they got the car back to Los Angeles. All of it um, is laid out in this book. So they need other corroborating evidence before they can prosecute it. And I'm interested what they found in that search warrant. Police said that in the search warrant, they took boxes of photos, gun casings. Tell me, tell me that he did not save gun casings for 27 years. That would be wild to me if it comes out that some of the casings that they removed from his home were, what, mementos? Then you have um, digital forensics that was pulled out in addition to the physical evidence and the boxes of photos and stuff like that. So when Las Vegas police announced that they had arrested Keefe I was not surprised. The extent to which they uh, relied on his book was probably a surprise to him because I wonder if he thought after the deal with the feds, they could never prosecute him for this crime again. I really do wonder if there was something where he's like, hey, I've already told them this in 2010. Law enforcement already knows they gave me a deal. They're not prosecuting me and didn't realize that though the feds might have made that deal for a federal prosecution, that doesn't limit state police from bringing a state level prosecution. That should have been a conversation with his lawyer maybe before this book came out. But also if you're going to publish a book where you talk about being a participant in a murder, um, maybe run it by your lawyer before publishing, or maybe set the book to be published posthumously so that there are not those types of consequences for what you've done. Murder doesn't have a statute of limitations, so it doesn't matter that it's been over 27 years. He can still be prosecuted for it, and I believe this is going to be an aiding and abetting theory. Let's take a look at the actual indictment. Uh, this was posted on Twitter by Megan Cuneef, who is a law and crime reporter who covers courts in Los Angeles. A huge thank you to today's sponsor, Green Chef. Green Chef is a certified CCOF meal kit that delivers everything you need for delicious meals right to your door, which makes this travel week easy because A, Green Chef allows you to stop or pause weeks anytime you need to. So if you're traveling, you just don't get a delivery that week and it's so easy to do. You don't have to jump through any hoops, which makes it so easy to try because you know you can always pause it when you need to. 
And I know that even though I'm traveling, my family still has a refrigerator full of easy to put together meals that take just about 30 minutes so that even though I'm not there, dinner is easy. You can pick from over 80 weekly options to fit any type of eating lifestyle from keto and paleo to vegan and vegetarian or just chef selects or balanced meals to try something that you normally wouldn't try when you're on the go. If you're ready to try Green Chef, go to greenchef.com slash 60emilybaker and use code 60emilybaker to get 60% off plus free shipping. Find out for yourself why Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. Let's get back to today's episode. So going to the body of the indictment, it says defendant above named Dwayne Keith Davis. They don't say AKA KPD, but AKA KPD accused by the Clark County grand jury of crimes. Now we know this was an indictment. There will not be a preliminary hearing. And the prosecution in their press conference said that this grand jury had been reviewing evidence for months. So this was not a fast grand jury. This took a substantial amount of time. So the grand jury indicted on the crime murder with use of a deadly weapon with the intent to promote further or assist a criminal gang. So this is a murder with a gun allegation with a gang allegation committed at and within the county of Clark, state of Nevada, on or about the seventh day of September 1996, as follows, did willfully, unlawfully, feloniously, and knowingly, and for the benefit of and at the direction of or in affiliation with the criminal street gang to with the Southside Compton Crips, which had one of its common activities engaging in felonious criminal activities other than the conduct which constitutes the primary offense that the defendant with the specific intent to promote further assist the activities of the Southside Compton Crips gang with malice aforethought killed Tupac Amaru Shakur, a human being with the use of a deadly weapon to it, a firearm. So all of that language is the language really of the statutes that are the gang allegations. And if you think of RICO allegations or allegations that are used to go after any type of organized crime, it's to show that this is within the realm of what that organized crime organization does. Page two of the indictment says shooting at or in the body of said Tupac Shakur and killing having been willful, deliberate, and premeditated, the defendant being criminally liable under one or more of the following principles of criminal liability. To wit, one, by directly committing this crime and or two, by aiding and abetting in the commission of the crime. So it's giving a jury ultimately when this goes to trial two theories of liability. Either the jury finds that he is the one that directly committed the killing, directly pulled the trigger, or he helped in the commission of the crime. And the book indicates, his book indicates that he procured the gun after the fight in the MGM Grand. So when you're looking at aiding and abetting, handing someone else a weapon that then they shoot and commit a murder is going to be aiding and abetting. And it goes on to define aiding and abetting with the intent that the crime be committed by counseling, encouraging, hiring, commanding, inducing, and or otherwise procuring the other to commit the crime to wit, defendant obtaining a firearm for the purpose. Emily, you should have kept reading. <laughs> Emily, keep reading. They're going to lay out their theory of aiding and abetting in the indictment. Just keep going. To wit, defendant obtaining a firearm for the purpose of seeking retribution against Tupac and or Marion Knight, a.k.a. Suge Knight, and while in a vehicle with Terrence Brown, a.k.a. Bubble Up, and or DeAndre Smith, a.k.a. Big Dre, and or Orlando Anderson, a.k.a. Baby Lane, 
did provide said firearm to DeAndre Smith, Big Dre, and or Baby Lane with the intent that said co-conspirators commit said crime and or three pursuant to a conspiracy to commit a crime with the intent that the crime should be committed, defendant along with Baby Lane, Big Dre, and Bubble Up. And that is the indictment in this case. Thank you to our sponsor, Policy Genius, which takes the stress out of buying life insurance. Life is unpredictable, but buying your insurance shouldn't be. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius knows your time is valuable, and their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from all different types of providers. And because Policy Genius works for you and not the insurance company, their licensed award winning agents will help you find what fits your needs best. And they don't have any incentive to recommend one insurer over another. Policy Genius is for anyone who has people that depend on them. They simplify the process of getting life insurance so you can protect the people you love. And it's no wonder they have thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net and you deserve a better way to buy it. Head to policygenius.com slash lawnerd or click the link down in the description to get your free life insurance quote today and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com slash lawnard to get your quote today. Let's get back to today's episode. What we learned from the indictment is that they are really focusing more on the aiding and abetting and furtherance of the gang allegations, not alleging that KPD is the one who pulled the trigger. Everyone else that was in that vehicle, everyone else named in this indictment is deceased. So there is literally, for everyone involved in these two vehicles, there is Suge Knight, who is in custody, and there is Keefe D, who is now in custody. Everyone else is deceased. So it will be very interesting to see how this prosecution moves forward, if they have statements already procured from anyone, if they have and what physical evidence they have, because law enforcement in their press conference said that they, after the search warrants, had done quite a lot of interviews and what those interviews contain or look like and who those interviews are with will be very interesting because everyone who was an eyewitness except for Suge Knight is deceased. But if you are interested, there are interviews with Keefe D on YouTube. There is the book, uh, that he put out that talks about this, but he's also talked about everything in this book in interviews. So the thing with gang cases, they are going to have to bring gang experts in from Los Angeles because the gangs that you're dealing with, Mob Piru and Eastside Compton Crips are Los Angeles gangs. So the experts and the gang detectives who know these gangs are going to be based out of Los Angeles. And I imagine Las Vegas PD has in the past and is currently working with Los Angeles gang prosecutors. What's interesting is how long ago this all took place. The gang situation in Los Angeles in the late 90s with death row records is wild. When you go back and look at the police that were prosecuted, prosecutors who were prosecuted, um, the Rampart Division and everyone that was working with death row is a really wild time in uh, not just rap history, but also in Los Angeles history. It really is uh, wild. If you are interested in looking into 
all of this. But what really precipitated this killing based on, well, everything that I've read um, is a disrespect, a disrespect between these two gangs that started before the killing of Tupac and then the outrage over some of the lyrics in some of Tupac's song and the disrespect um, that the Eastside Compton groups felt based on those lyrics. And that is uh, not surprising. So in all, I'm surprised that there was an arrest. I'm not surprised at who was arrested. I am very interested to see if they are going to try to bring Suge out from custody and have him testify in this uh, since he is in custody. I don't know what they're going to do because back in 2018, Suge Knight got 28 years. It It's very strange for me to dive back into all of this because with working in Long Beach, a lot of the Compton gangs kind of, there's there's a lot of intermingling between what is going on in Compton and what was going on in Long Beach gangs where I work. Some of the DAs that I have worked with and known were involved in some of these other prosecutions and prosecutions connected to all of this. So it's a very interesting thing to be looking back at after my my career working with all of this and then growing up through it. It's wild stuff. So did I think there would be an arrest? No. This man has been talking about the fact that he was in that car for decades and there was never an arrest. How will this prosecution go? I'll be very interested to see. I'm beginning to feel like there are some, there are some like Murdoch-y things going on here. And while Murdoch was stealing from clients and this was involving music and drug dealing and gang activity, the tide has changed on who has the wheel of power. And I wonder if that's what has changed to allow this to be prosecuted. Because when you're dealing with gang cases, one of the hardest things is that no one wants to talk to the police. And you, I mean, understandably, but nobody wants to talk to the police. So you have eyewitnesses that will not say anything and will not testify because it goes against the rules of the street. I just wonder if we are so far out from the height of of the power of KPD within his own gang and with Suge Knight being behind bars, if there isn't that fear of retribution now that is allowing for there to be more witnesses who are willing to talk. And I hope that we see that in other cases like Murdaugh as well with the killing of Stephen Smith. Will, now that Murdaugh is in custody, will we see people start to be less afraid to come forward and talk because tides have changed who is in power has changed and their ability to wield that power has changed because it seems like KVD has avoided prison uh, quite a number of times. And I'll be very interested to see what happens from here. And my final thoughts, because when I'm traveling, I'm definitely more um, discombobulated than I am when I am at home. I wanted to talk a little bit about lyrics and use of books and prosecution. I know we talked about that at the beginning of the episode, but the case law that is growing in that area is very much tied to First Amendment expression and artistic expression and not using lyrics as generalities or um, as overall proof of intent if it's not specifically not talking about a specific thing. So with using the book in court 
I think there's a number of ways it will come in because he is specifically talking about this and he says it very specifically. The first part of the book, the like first chapter, gets into a detailed account of Keefe D leaving the MGM, running into Zip, Zip handing him a quote, 17 shot pistol, which I promptly put down the back of my pants. I hopped out of the car, held the door open for Foxy Brown to get back in, closed the door, then pulled off. Get in the car you came in, let's roll, I shouted as our cars came out of LA. We left immediately from the MGM parking lot and headed directly to Club 662. And then he goes on to say that they pulled around the back of the club and were waiting to confront Tupac and that there was a million dollar bounty on Tupac and Biggie Smalls. So these are absolutely delineating what happened that night if it is corroborated by other things, which law enforcement indicated that other interviews, physical evidence, and physical evidence from the night of corroborated it. What I am looking for the most in this prosecution, the question I want answered is, so he, Keefe D, spoke to the feds in 2010. He released this book in 2018. From 2018 to 2023, what evidence, uh, physical or otherwise, that corroborated what is in his memoir what evidence connected him to the killing of Tupac such that they were comfortable moving forward to a grand jury and to a prosecution? I am very interested to see that. I'm also very interested to see if Keefe D will try to argue that his deal with the feds precludes this state prosecution. And it's really going to hinge on what the feds said to him and what was promised. So I will be very interested in this story. I hope you are too. If there were questions I didn't answer, apologies for Travel Brain, but let me know in the comments and I will absolutely get to them. But this is a case we will be covering for sure. So with all of that, thank you for being a Lawnard. Thank you for being here. Don't forget to download the app, lawnardapp.com. And say it with me, may your toilet paper be plentiful. May your Wi-Fi be strong, especially if it's hotel Wi-Fi. <laughs> may your families be well. May the odds be ever in your favor. And may it, you know, not be 9 million degrees in October. I'm ready for it to be fall. Like, bring me my sweater weather. I am ready. Law nerds, I will talk to you in the next one. Bye. You can stay up to date with everything I'm covering on our free iOS and Android app, at lawnerdapp.com or search your app store for Lawnerd. And you can also follow me on social media at the Emily D. Baker. Remember, I stream on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I recap all of that for you in quick bits on Monday. And of course, The Emily Show drops on Wednesdays. Thanks for being a Lawnerd. <laughs>